Welcome to From the Shed End podcast with myself, T. as always, and Theo. Welcome back from many, many returns. How, how are you doing? Yeah, not bad. Um, been been traveling for the last month or so, which has been a, an amazing kind of experience. Got to experience some amazing football games abroad, um, visit some stadiums, currently in between work. So um, making the most out of it before I get into the work routine on back into the work routine on Monday. But also it's been a nice little distraction from some of the shocking Chelsea results and decisions that have been made in the last few weeks as well. So it's been a good way to put my mind off of things. So Chelsea related. How have you been? Not bad, not bad. I did I did say it was probably the best time to go away and not because I thought Tom Suk was going to get sacked or we were going to play as, play as badly as we have done. But um, no, I'm good. I'm good. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a bit of a, a roller coaster. And obviously now we've got the internationals, which I don't know if you've been watching them. I think I watched Poland and, and the Netherlands last night and it was poor. It was, I mean, it was a good game for the goals. The goals were decent, but it was, it was a poor game. Um, so roll on the first of October when we get our um, we get our Premier League back back and get some decent football. But, um, because you've been away, um, well, talk, in fact, let's talk about quickly before you went away because what you went to a match in Mexico, I think, and obviously you went to um, you didn't get to go to a match, but you got to go to uh, Atletico Bilbao's stadium as well. So what was that like? Yeah, I mean, match day ex- experiences in South America and Central America are something else. I've been fortunate to see a game in Colombia um, in Medellin, which was amazing. And being at the Estadio Azteca, which hosted the uh, World Cup finals, I think in the 80s and the you know, the earlier World Cups, it's just such a historic stadium. And the atmosphere, the fans, the passion was you know second to none, which was absolutely amazing. And then the Bilbao Stadium, which I think was only built in 2013, was amazing as well mm-hmm. and i got to do a stadium tour um we were left kind of unsupervised so we got to just roam around the changing rooms check which size the players wear on their kits and all that open their lockers um roam around the kind of press um press rooms as well so that was a really really special but um but yeah looking forward to being back at a, a stadium Stamford bridge obviously where i can actually fully support the team and root you know root the players so um yeah no both um both really amazing experiences yeah, it looked. It did look. I mean, you had a decent seat in uh, the the in the South America game, and yeah, I think um, yeah, I think you're right. 2013 potentially for Atletico the stadium there, which looked amazing as well. And in fact, you got to. I know I've done a few stadium tours. Um, I've done Stamford Bridge and some up north as well, and you're quite restricted. You know, you get a tour guide from the majority of it anyway, um, and you're you're quite restricted as to where you can go, where you can't go, what you can and can't do, and sound like you had the free room um i think there's a picture of you in kepper's jersey or one of kepper's jerseys as well so um let's hope that doesn't mean he's going back there or anything like that but yeah it looked good looked decent um obviously we haven't spoken about thomas tuchel as as a duo um had charlie on last week and i've spoke about it individually on the youtube but what's your thoughts i mean i know you're a big you know massive believer that thomas tuchel like myself you know to, to an extent was um that Thomas Tuchel was the right man for the job. So was it a massive shock to see him go the way that he did? Yeah, it was a massive shock. The timing of everything just didn't really make sense. Um, I just had this kind of sixth sense that woke me up at 4am in Mexico. And I just looked at my phone and it was a WhatsApp message from my brother saying Tuchel sacked. Yeah. And I just thought it was a joke at first. And I opened Twitter, I opened Eurosport and all the, all the news outlets and I saw it and I just couldn't really believe my eyes. I had to almost pinch myself and make sure I wasn't still dreaming. But it was the timing of it. Obviously, the Dina Mozagreb um, result was poor. That was really poor. It was a really poor performance, but it wasn't a sackable offence. It really wasn't a sackable offence. You've just invested about 250 million into the 
pounds into the squad to you know get the players that Tuchel wanted, the likes of Fafano, Bamiyang, um, Raheem Sterling, and many others. And then you just sack him. I think on match week six, I think it was of the Premier League mm-hmm. season, so six weeks into the season. And um, I think like you kind of had a bit of a feeling him and Bowley didn't see see eye to eye, um, which kind of was apparent now. Um, I think Burley wanted him a lot more invested in the negotiations for players, which is why we lost out to Kunde, apparently Rafinha, because Xavi was present in the negotiations, and that's what made the difference. And I think Burley really wanted that. Something else that surprised me is Burley is someone usually who um, is very patient with managers. Um, he in his LA um, LA Dodgers days, I think he really stood by the managers and gave them a lot of time and um, you know confidence um, that, that they needed to kind of you know get the team they wanted and build the kind of. Um, squad that they wanted but um then again i think marina granovska scoyer going and um and Petacek going didn't really work in tuko's favor because it meant more, more responsibility for him but um but yeah no really disappointed um it's obviously something i think how much he kind of connected with the fans i don't think we had such a likable manager that kind of all the fans liked in that way that we liked Tuchel maybe since possibly carlo ancelotti i want to say um mm. all the others some um, since then have to kind of almost divided opinions but I think he was a really likable manager. A lot of um, pundits really liked him as well. He was very charismatic in his post-match interviews. Obviously, you could kind of tell some, that maybe, I think it was particularly after that Tottenham game when he got sent off and even maybe after this, uh, that Arsenal friendly in the US when he kind of said, I don't know, it's hard to to kind of um, get the results when you've got the same group of players as last season. It almost felt that things weren't going his way. And he was coming up with those same excuses that his previous managers have said, you know, the likes of Conte, Sari, and Lampard, when they said they can't really motivate this team. It felt almost quite similar and a common copy of those mm. kind of excuses or or um, post-match comments. But, um, but no, very disappointed. Um, but at the same time, I think it was almost a matter of time. It felt like if they weren't going to see eye to eye, it was either going to be now before the World Cup um, and... Or, but what I wanted to see happen, if they, if it was gonna, if it was, if it was always gonna happen, and I think the the Cucurella negotiations confirmed that when I think um, they asked Cucurella's kind of team it, what they thought of Graham Potter, it almost felt that they were already planning that move, you know, for the weeks ahead. Um, so, in my opinion, why not just do that in preseason in the summer, mm-hmm. um, regardless of results? Just say, listen, we want to go in a different direction. Um, let's call it, you know, let's call it a day and bringing Potter then um, because the timing of it is quite poor. We, we're quite lucky to have maybe three, four weeks now where we can pre- kind of have this mini preseason within the season for Potter, but the timing just really didn't make sense. So very disappointed. Um, but I feel, like I said, I feel it was only a matter of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, spot on. I think it's kind of echoes what I said and, and I know what Charlie said as well last week, but it, it definitely did come out the blue. Uh, I know I did a lot of YouTube sort of post pre-matches whilst you was away and I, I kind of could tell something was going to happen because it just, um, you know, even going back to that Spurs game, like you said, you know, you got, you got the, um, you got the massive fine and the the sort of argy-bargy with Conte afterwards after the game. And even in the Zagreb game, I think he got booked as well um, mm. for, for something. I can't remember what it was, whether we were just arguing with the fourth official or something, but um, it's, all, I think more so as well, what, didn't help Thomas Tuchel was the fact that he had loads of off-field issues going on as well throughout the season. Me and Charlie spoke and we, we've spoke through WhatsApp about, you know, the sanctions as well. And just loads of things that as a manager, you don't, you don't take the job on to deal with those things. You don't deal, take on a role to, to deal with, um, you know, cl- a club being sanctioned and you having to then deal with certain things or being thrown out to the press to answer these questions, which 
you know, on a number of occasions, you know, every Friday afternoon, it was, you know, sanctions or what's happening with the club or have you spoke to Roman or do you know what's happening with the club? And as a manager, that's not your role that, you know, your role is to go there to, to train the players, to pick the squad, to get them ready for the weekend's game. But it did feel like he was being asked to do a lot post Roman Abramovich as well. You know, when Todd Bowley came in, there was no director of football. He was then asked to, you know, help Todd Bowley as a director of football to come in and do that role as well. And it, it did seem a lot, but I, I think, I think, I think you're right. hundred percent. You know, I think um, Todd Bowley definitely had Graham Potter or someone else lined up hundred percent. And that's clear as day. Now you look at the, the quickness of the appointment mm. and the, the fact that, you know, Brian didn't stand in Graham Potter's way. You know, I'd, I'd even go as far as to say, you know, selling Billy Gilmore to them was almost to, to sweeten them up a little bit. And it just seems very weird. You know, one of our, arguably one of our best young prospects in the midfield, in the midfield department, going for as cheap as he did. Yes, we brought Mark Cucurea in as well, but it just seemed very weird weird to send him there. Um, I still don't get the Patrick Aubameyang. Maybe that was just a panic thing from Todd Bowe because there was you know, rumours that Ronaldo was top of his list in terms of a goal scorer. Um, but it just seemed a bit odd. It just seemed really weird to, to, to sack him at the time that he did. But, I mean, we've got Graham Potter in now and, you know, he's had one game under his belt, which... Okay, we we you know we we didn't win the game, but what what's your thoughts on Graham Potter as a whole? I mean, he's given a five year deal, which is massive. You know, we don't really. Um, you just mentioned there that you know you thought Thomas Tuchel get more time, but it seems Todd Bowley giving him a five year deal. Surely that gives Graham Potter, you know, the time is in this project to to try and deliver what Todd Bowley wants him to do. Is that is that your thoughts, or do you think it's just a safety net for for manager and owner? Yeah, like I said, I think Bowley's, regardless of what happened with Tuchel, he's the type of owner that wants to give managers or coaches the time to build that squad and the five-year deal proves that. And should he be fired this time next year or Christmas next year, it'll be a huge payout for him, which I think, you know, it's not something that we want to kind of, you know, splash money out on. Um, we've got, and Post, what I think of Potter as a manager, he's done a brilliant job at Brighton. He's got them playing some great football. You will have to look at our results against them last season. I think it was a draw home and away against them and... I think it'll finish ninth. I think in the end, um, yeah, yeah. And you know they got they got some big points against some of the big teams. Um, they, they love playing with possession. Uh, they with the wing back formation as well. I think it's Lamptey and Cucurella who who operated so well, and their recruitment strategy has been brilliant. They lost Cucurella, and they brought in I think another left back. They've got um, the Ecuadorian chap um, Moises Cancedo, who's had a great um, start to the season. Solly March, Trossard, you know, they, they brought in these players for not a lot of money and they've often very well often performed. Even Danny Welbeck's done a decent job and he was kind of mm, a forgotten yeah. man at um at Arsenal. Um so yeah, I think um I think I'm excited to see what um you know what the next three, four, five years will look like under Potter. Um and also I'm also I'm also curious to see which players he wants to bring in. There's talks of him already wanting a new goalkeeper, maybe a Robert Sanchez from Brighton, because he wants a keeper that's able to play with his feet. Which spells maybe you know he's got a bit of a oh you know it could be the end for Mendy potentially because you know we know how Mendy is not the best of his feet. Um, there's also talks of Jorginho and Kante. You spoke about it with Charlie last week. Maybe not signing new deals, which could mean if this finally the season we get Declan Rice. We've got another English manager now. Um, the last one was Frank Lampard, who was really keen on him. So I think Declan Rice now maybe um, could be an option next summer finally. Um, and then there's also finally, you know, that striker option, which we still haven't really filled, you know, Bermayang's not a, a long-term kind of replacement for, for maybe Diego Costa, Lukaku, who haven't really worked out. 
And I think Kai Havertz, like we've seen, is not a natural number nine. So is Raheem Sterling. So I think there's still that striker option that we need to find. Um, I think it's about time we stop buying from win the Premier League. Again, something you spoke about with Charlie, but maybe we look more abroad and we get a player from abroad from, you know, maybe the Bundesliga, the, the Serie A, who's performed out there rather than maybe an English player play, you know, double, triple the money. So, yeah, I think it's quite exciting to see, but um, there was glimpses of promise against uh, against Salzburg. Obviously, he didn't have a full week to kind of train with that team, but, um, but you know, I think that particularly maybe the first 20, minute of that, uh, 20 minutes of that game, we looked quite, you know, quite switched on, quite sharp, and there were some good, you know, passages of play, but I think um, we'll really have to kind of um, work hard throughout the month of October to get those results now to catch up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And our, our next game is not until the first Crystal Palace. Um, long time since our last Premier League game. When you think about, you know, yeah, we had the Champions League, but you know, you're talking almost, um, you know, just under a month since Premier League football for Chelsea. What what's your expectations for for the rest of this season? Um, looking at Spurs, Arsenal, uh, Liverpool haven't started the best, but we know that once they click, and if they click, then they'll be you know, often, often away, uh, Manchester City, I mean, Haaland looks like a, a machine. What's your expectations for Chelsea um, for the rest of this season? Because it is going to be difficult to, to to stay in that top four bracket when you look at the other teams as well that, that are competing to get in the top four. Yeah, I think we've both kind of spoken about it offline. For me, I've written off this season. Um, I've written it off in terms of trophies, but I still expect us to get top four. You know, with Chelsea, we've got a brilliant squad of players. We've brought in Raheem Sterling, who for me has been one of the best performers, maybe alongside Thiago Silva um, since the, the first game of the season. Um, and I still expect us to really challenge. Uh, maybe we'll have that new manager bounce now with, with Potter, where we can maybe get a couple of results between now and the World Cup that may kind of get us to, to you know, back into the top four and in reach of City and Arsenal, who I think are first and second potentially. But um, there's teams you mentioned, obviously Liverpool haven't been that good. They, I think they're even below us potentially. Arsenal, sure, they've started brilliantly, but they haven't really been fully tested. And when they have come up against, you know, another kind of top four, top six team in Man United, they lost 3-1. So I think they need more of a, they've had quite a relatively easy start to the season. Credit to them, they've done brilliantly there, but you can only play what's in front of you. But um, but yeah, I'd like to see them a bit more challenged. Um I don't know. I think it will really be around Christmas time where we have an idea if we're still in reach of top four or not. But for now, I still think it's possible. Um, obviously, like I mentioned, Graham Potter's a brilliant manager. He's done, he worked wonders at, I think it's the Swedish team he was at um, before yeah. Brighton or slightly before. I think got them to the Europa back, League, didn't he? Yeah, Europa League. And I think he even got them from the three back to the, I think, to the top division of the Swedish League. Um, mm. So he did a great job there with the resources he had available. So I think. Um, yeah, I think before the World Cup, mid-November, we'll have a, a more of an idea of where we kind of stand. But um, we know with Chelsea, we've got high ambitions and I still expect us to finish at the top four. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be difficult to do that. And and as a Chelsea fan, you know, you always want to see your team get as high as possible um, in the league. But yeah, it's going to be it's going to be really difficult. And I do think the World Cup will play a massive, massive part this season because, you know, some you could, you could be some of your big players in certain clubs who come back with an injured player or... You know that they just have a dip in form. We got to see that with um, with Mo Salah. I think after the African Cup of Nations, he didn't really come back and hit the ground running. So, you know, there's a lot that can happen from now until the end of the season. But let's get. I mean, it's international break, so we can't even do a match preview. But we've got. I mean, we've been trying to get this done for for a while. Um, I think one of us sent it in it to each other in Salah. WhatsApp, and we just yeah, it was a while. I'm sure it was probably yeah. last year. Might have been last year. Um, 
but we've been trying to get this done for however many months and we just never got around to it. So perfect time to do it while there's an international break. Although Christian Pulisic apparently has been injured. Um, I'll throw that in there whilst on duty for the United States. So it kind of goes to show that it's really a really bad time to be trying to play internationals um, during a com congested season already. But as I say that, I'm going to bring up this here, which we've both had for about, well, I'd say at least five, maybe let's just say a year. We've had it for a year. And we've been sort of um and when to do this. And ideally, I think someone maybe posted it on Twitter or somewhere or something like that. But we, um, we've been looking at trying to see who could come up with potentially the most, um, what's the word? Fluid, the most fluid five-a-side team out of this with £20 budget, which is, when I mean, it sounds easy, when you think about it, look at, you look at the players and you think, yeah, I could do that, it's easy. But if you're talking a five-a-side team, and I know you play quite a lot of five-a-side, you've got to have the balance. You can't just think of a, an 11-a-side football pitch. You need to think of the weakness and strengths and how quick you need to get the ball from A to B as well, mm. defending as well. So there's a lot you've got to think about. But... How are we going to do this? I think we've done one of these before. And we've just gone from goalkeeper to attacker. And I think that's probably the mm. most sensible approach to take. Um, as always, and I'd like to see who you go with first, but I'm going to let you go first. Um, so let's start with our goalkeeper. Who have you gone for? I've gone for the, probably our best ever goalkeeper. I mean, <laughs> the best ever goalkeeper that's played in the Premier League, in my opinion, that's played for Chelsea Football Club, and that's Petr Cech. Um, he's a leader. He's a, he's a professional. He's a player that can encourage players around him on the pitch, which is often what you need when five aside. You can be, you know, four or five goals down, and then sometimes you need someone who can just push you that step further. He's good with his feet. He's got sharp reflexes, good distribution. Um, and I think there's that crazy statistic. I took a screenshot of it, of it before. It's checks, check face a total of 1,241 shots on target and save a thousand of those shots, conceding just 241 goals in his 11 seasons at Chelsea. So that's uh, roughly around that's 20 crazy. goals per season. And his save percentage was 80.5%, keeping 166 clean sheets. And that's on an 11 a side pitch. So I just feel like <laughs> on a five a side pitch, he'd probably just take up the whole goal as well. Yeah, exactly. So I'm spending five pounds on Petr Cech for my goalkeeper, and I play goalkeeper in five aside, so I kind of want to have the best, of the best in that department, and that's got to be Petr Cech as well. And I think there's yeah. no, um, there's rules as well in five aside where sometimes you can't come in the box, occasionally, so there will be no contact, which means his head will be safe as well. That's you. I'm sure that's that's surely the rule. Like I don't think I've ever played yeah. five aside where you can't go in the box, and if you do, you're playing like this. Anyone who plays it like that, they're playing it not by yeah, the bring it wrong you, yeah yeah you can't come into the box so um i agree with everything you said and i went with pet check as well i thought okay. i'd start off start off on the high and um low my budget but I, I think you're right i think you look at the goalkeepers there maybe maybe caballero actually wouldn't be a bad shout um he's, he's a very very good underrated goalkeeper and i think in a five-a-side environment he'd actually do relatively well same with Cal. I think they do very, very, very well. But I think in five aside, and I, I'm, I used to play five aside. It only takes four, four or five goals to exactly. go in, and your your head drops a little bit, and you get frustrated, and you know it can creep up to another five goals going in just at the blink of an eye. So I think you need your best goalkeeper. One of your, you know, uh, your goalkeeper has to be the best. Simple. It mm. just has to be. You don't have to have the best strikers. You know, you don't have to have the best people that sort of sitting behind that striker. You know 
maybe dropping back a bit further towards the goalkeeper, but your goalkeeper has to be able to save the ball. It's as simple as that, especially in mm. five side. So um, I've gone for Petacek. I like the stats said. I didn't know that, but yeah, 80, I think you said 83.6% or something. 80.5% of the shots he saved them, yeah. That's a crazy <laughs> stat to have in the Premier League as well. I mean, that's just... You know, what across 11 seasons now? yeah but what would he be worth now if he if Petrček was still in his prime and he was playing as he was back then I mean you know he'd be going for 100 mil easy he's that easy. good of a goalkeeper yeah, yeah. Um, I was considering uh Kepa for this as well I think like the, for the yeah. points you mentioned you know you slide aside you've only got four other players in the pitch you know sometimes one pass from your goalkeeper your striker's got the ball and he's through on goal in a five-a-side pitch and we know how good Kepa is with his feet and his distribution so uh is an option He's not maybe the tallest. He's not as tall as a Courtois, Mendy, and Czech, but sometimes you don't need a tall goalkeeper in five aside. You just need someone who's got good reflexes, who can yeah. get to, to the ground quite low. And also we saw that in that Lampard season that Kepa's not the best when it comes with, you know, balls, you know, ping through the box. But like we said, there's no, you can't shoot in the box in five aside. So maybe that will favor him in that department. But I think Petr Czech's the kind of one we have to go to for, for, the, for our goalkeepers. Yeah, it was an easy, easy option, easy choice. Mm. But I think this is where it's going to get a bit more difficult because I, I, I tried to second guess what you was going to go for as well. And I thought if we were matching our teams up against each other, um, so I, 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 I went with Ashley Cole as my defender for a pound, and I just thought one, Bargain. I was shocked he was a pound. Yeah, I mean he's arguably the best left back in the world uh, still to this day. I don't think there's ever been another left back like him. Um, matured as he got older. You know, he's. You know, I remember there was a game. I think I mentioned it on another episode where he had Ronaldo in his back pocket in an international game against Portugal, and he's just. I mean, he's just fast as well. And I think in five aside, it's necessarily about strength. Which you know, an eleven aside, you need a. You know, you need you do need a John Terry. You need a Marcel Desailly. Um, you know, you need a Yap Stam. You need someone who's strong and physically able to. In five aside, sometimes you just need someone who's got a bit of speed. And I think. You know, like you just mentioned, it can just be one pass from the goalkeeper to your attacker. And if your defender's not there and he's not fast, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a goal. So I think sometimes you need someone who's defensively alert, which Ashley Cole for me is 100%, but fast as well. And I think he's got that probably even to this day. I mean, if you ask him to run around, you know, I know he's at Everton now, if you ask him to run around Finch Farm training ground, he'd probably be able to outrun some of the, the Everton players. So he's you know for me he's easily um at a pound as well i mean you can't get a loaf of bread for a pound these days so if he was you know if he was going for a pound you'd have to take him um but who have you gone for as, as your uh your, your defender if we can call it that yeah i've gone obviously i wanted to go for john terry but just you can't go for every single five pound player uh yeah but i've gone for ricardo cavalio um so I've gone for the three pound option as my center back. Um, I think I want someone who's kind of got that positioning can just stay in front of the, the box, do the dirty work, almost players that kind of sweeper who can just clean up when needed, make some big blocks. And I think we all, we, we quickly remember John Terry for being that center back who kept 15 clean sheets in the 2004, 2005 season, but it, you know, Ricardo Cavalier was a center back partner for the majority of that season. Um, brilliant centre-back, you know, I think he often is quite underrated amongst Chelsea fans um, when they always think of the likes of Cahill, Aspie, um, John Terry, um, but they quickly forget Cavalio, but he's been fantastic. And um, yeah, I'd have him there just for that kind of like big presence in front of the goal. Uh, I love having that as a keeper in five-a-side, just someone you can rely on, pass the ball, who kind of get the ball out to the, one of the wingers or the striker quite quickly. 
but also his positioning, who doesn't kind of commit himself too high up the pitch as well. Um, so yeah, I've gone for Ricky Cavalier. So That's I've spent show. I've spent eight pounds so far, and you've spent yeah, six pounds. Six. Yeah, yeah. I, I wrote mine down because I knew I was going to get halfway through, but. Um, no, it's a good shout. I think Carvalho, I agree with you 100%. He's very, I mean, he's not, I don't think he's underrated because I rate yeah. him. So it's, it's kind of hard to see how someone can underrate him. But I know that there's many Chelsea fans that would probably put Gary Cahill, they could even put Marcel Desailly or um, so many other, maybe. Yeah, they, they, they'd put him ahead of Carvalho. And I just think he was part of that core sort of, you know, the Chelsea that we know of, of new, mm. the, the new sort of Chelsea that came through. You know, he was that massive spine in that team as well. And I think he, he had a really good partnership um, with some really good centre-backs as well. So, yeah, I can see why you got, went for him. Again, I can see, I'm, I'm surprised he's, you know, he's only £3 when, you know, look at Aspilicueta, who I get why he's £4. I mean, he's Dave, he's won it all. You know, he's still playing to this day as well. So I get that. But £3, it seems a bit seems a bit cheap for car value 100 yeah. percent um we've just got a comment here someone's already put their their whole team out this is rd's team so we've got Carvalho. he's got a oh, sub in there <laughs> yeah yeah he's put a sub unless he's uh, underspent so he's added more in but he's gone for yeah. kepa cole i mean that's a brilliant i mean if he's playing six aside that's an actually very decent squad Carvalho, cole at the back you could have hazard Maybe also Lampard, sorry, in that sort of midfield area, and you could have Hazard and Drogba up front. That's a really not, good You're not idea. short of goals. You're not short of goals in that team of Drogba. You're Lampard opening the back a little bit, though. I think you might be opening <laughs> at the back with with Kepa Cole. Yeah, but it's a good squad for the. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to work out how much you spent there. Uh, so Kepa is two Cole. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, he's thought you did. Yeah, it's, it's a good shout. Maybe I should have said that at the start. He said, "I thought we had to. We meant to complete the twenty quid. It's a good shout. I mean, you've you've done you've done more than what I would have done. Um, but you have cheated, Ardy, because it says five aside. So <laughs> we'll let you off. It's a good squad, definitely, hundred um, percent. Yeah, definitely a good squad. And and yeah, it's you know, if he's playing six aside, that would be the team you'd probably pick. But um, midfield, let's go to our midfield. Let's see who, who you've gone for in midfield." Yeah, so I should mention my formation is a it's a bit of a weird one. It's a centre back kind of centre mid with two kind of wingers who are kind of the strikers at the same time. But for my centre mid, I was really torn amongst three options. Angolo Kante, who's just a machine. He runs all across an eleven side pitch. Imagine what he'd do on a five side pitch. You know, the the mouth, you know, astroturf he'd cover on a, a five side pitch. So um, that was an option for me. Fabregas was another one. We all know how much I love Fabregas and, you know, you can just unlock the fences with a single pass. There is sometimes that head height rule with five aside, so maybe, mm. you know, his passing range might not be as effective. But the option I've gone with is just our record goal scorer, Super Frankie Lampard. It has to be him. You need goals in five aside. You don't win games if you don't get goals. And for me, it's Frank Lampard. He's, you know, we saw it in his prime. He was a box-to-box midfielder. He's got that kind of... Um, He's got that uh, set-piece kind of ability as well, which you do need in five-a-side. You do get free kicks sometimes, indirect and direct. Uh, so I think he is needed in that um, in that department. He will get you goals in midfield. He will work his socks off. Um, another kind of player I'd put alongside, even a Cavalio and a Czech, who can be that kind of captain figure in a team um, and encourage players. Um, so it has to be Frank Lampard for me. And I don't really see how I can create any kind of Chelsea team, five-a-side, six-a-side, 11-a-side without Frank Lampard. So um, yeah, he's my he's my midfield option. You're gonna hate me for this one. 
I've, I've actually gone without Frank Lampard in my team, but I did look at him. I feel mm. like we've missed a column. I feel like we've missed the... Yeah, the I kind of cheated. Lately. I cheated. I kind of went for different columns. Maybe I don't know. Okay. Yeah. You're on the same page as Ardy. <laughs> to the goalpost, but um, no, I went for I went for Gianfranco Zola because, again, I mean, watching him play football, I think he'd be a magician in a five a five side team. I think he knows how to work his way out of tight spaces, and that's one of the things. Like I said, you know, you, you play a lot of five side. I used to play a lot of five side, and you know, there's moments where you're caught in confined spaces, and you've got to have that little bit of magic just to be able to get out of a corner or to 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 maneuver between two players. It's all confined and compact as a you know the smaller pitch. So I just think with Zola, um, the trickery, the goals that he can score. You know, he can score from long range, short range. He's got the skill. Um, I think I've said it again on here, you know, that almost reminds me of Messi sometimes where he, the ball would be glued to his feet almost and he could glide past players and, you know, be lower to the grounds than some of the other players. And I just thought that was in a five-a-side environment for me. I, I, I agree with you 100%. You know, Frank Lampard is one that you, you can't really miss out on in a five-a-side. But I think when you said about head height as well, for, you know, Lampard does like to strike them. If he goes a bit head height mm-hmm. as well, um, or his passing, his brilliant passing range, but head height as well that came into to play for me. But Zola, I just thought, you know, I remember watching him growing up, and yeah, I mean the magic, the trickery that he had. You know, you need that. You need one player that is just maybe not the fastest, maybe not the strongest, but has that trickery that can just you know feed you the ball, a bit of skill, feed you the ball. You're waiting on outside the you know outside the box. He just feeds you the ball. You just shoot, but. That would be that would be my Zola. That that was my role. That that mm-hmm. was my role as a five side player. I was the the trickery, the magician, and I'd feed the ball through to someone. So I couldn't miss out Zola. Yeah, I mean, I actually have him in my team as well. Um, maybe I, it's that kind of period of Chelsea where I still I was very very young, so I wasn't fortunate enough to watch him maybe as much as you did. But just seeing the replays of that goal he scored against Norwich with that little back heel flick, that's what you wanted a five side kind of team, a player that can just score a goal with one touch from maybe a corner or a short pass who could just smash it into the back of the net or flick it in or even flick a pass through to another player. And Zola has that ability. You can't compare him slightly to Messi and maybe his stature, a player that's got like a low centre of gravity who could keep the ball at his feet like he's almost got a string attached to it and very hard to dispossess him, um, similar to like a Messi or Hazard. And, you know, I think only player that I think has had his shirt number retired at Chelsea, number 25, I don't think a single player has ever worn it since, has he? No, no, yeah, it's retired, yeah. yep. So, yeah, so another Chelsea legend that I feel like just to watch a team with a five-a-side team with Zola would be pretty special. Um, so, yeah, he has to be amongst one of those kind of two winger striker options for me. Yeah, I, I, could, I couldn't miss him out. I couldn't no. miss him out. I couldn't also miss out this person. So, um, so if I, my memory serves me right, so I've got Czech for £5, Ashley Cole uh, for 6 and I've added Zola for 3 which is 9 So... I've gone for Claude Makelele as my next player. Um, I feel like he would be the player that I would want just to sit in the middle of that five-a-side, not doing anything, not not really doing much, but anything that comes your way, deal with it. Just deal with it and make sure we don't get it to whoever the striker is in your team. Don't get it to Zol or Hazard or whoever. Just deal with it. Get it back to the other end of the pitch. So I thought Makelele, I mean... I think we've said on here before, you know, for me, he's the player that a lot of Chelsea fans forget about. You know, mm. we talk uh, Michael Essie and we talk about N'Golo Kante and um, 
you know, some of the other players, but I think for me, Makaleli was just, he was just different. You know, I think he you know, had a name, a role named after himself. Yeah. He's, he's, he's that sort of player that, you know, he kind of invented that position. You know, it was there beforehand, of course, but he defined it, I think. And he's just one of those players that visually had that football brain, um, that just was probably never really known in the Premier League at the time as well. You know, and he, he he was pivotal for us at the time. Really, really crucial to have him. And he's almost one of those players now where we, we when we don't have N'Golo Kante in the team, he is that player that when we didn't have Makaleli in the team, we, we we definitely missed him. And he reminds me very much of what N'Golo Kante does for us now when he's not playing. We, you know, we've seen, you know, against um, Salzburg and Zagreb and all these other teams, when we don't have N'Golo Kante, the difference in the team is so visible. It's 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 unreal. So I couldn't I couldn't leave out Makalele. Um It was difficult because I looked at uh, Michael Essien and I just thought, mm. will he, would he last the five aside with his injuries? Probably not. <laughs> so so I thought, let me just leave him out. But yeah, Makalele is who I went for um, as my I think it's my fourth, isn't it? Yeah, my fourth yeah. choice. Yeah. So who's your fourth? So my fourth was Zola. Um, like I agreed with you of that in that. Okay, uh, sorry. That yeah. player. Yeah, but I've actually missed out on the third column and I'm starting to regret that now because I look at all five of those players, Makalele, yeah, yeah. Kante, Essien, Balak, Ramirez. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're engines and tanks, aren't they? You need one of those they could players. All be, your, they could all be in your squad. They could be. You could have a five-a-side of those those ones and you probably wouldn't even <laughs> see the shots on target because they're all just engines in a way. So you could put Ramirez in goal and switch them up in a way. But um, yeah. no, all fantastic players. Um, but my fifth player to kind of play alongside um, Zola is Eden Hazard. So I've kind of cheated. I've gone for three players in column four. Um, I just feel like having a midfield of Lampard with Zola and Hazard on a five-a-side yeah, team, would just be, it would be dangerous. And just to see Zola and Hazard play in the same team, because I think they're quite similar players, mm. quite short, quite, you know, it's quite very technical. They like to take players on. Um, they can just create goals for themselves as well, which is something you need sometimes in five-a-side, be a bit egoistic and just take players on and just shoot from any from any area, have that confidence as well. We saw you know, the goal against Liverpool at Anfield that Hazard scored, or the goals he scored at Anfield, he scored many, and the one against West Ham particularly. Those are goals you typically see on a five-a-side, just dribbling two, three players and just shooting from the edge of the D. So those are players I feel just would be special to watch play alongside each other and we'll get probably five goals each in a... 40-minute five-a-side oh, yeah. game, probably, easily. Easily, easily. Yeah. I think Hazard, yeah, I agree with you. I think Hazard is one of those players that, again, you know, you need a player that can give you that trickery, that magician, um, you know, the one that is able to have really good ball control, and that's Eden Hazard. You know, we, we got to I was watching the um, sort of Sky's his best, his, um, oh, yeah, his best yeah. clips or whatever they call it, and some of the goals he scored, um, I think there was one against West Brom that just randomly sticks out to me. And I can't remember who he lays the ball off to and he does a one-two with them. I'd have to watch it back. It was late last night, but he lays the ball off to someone and they just lay it back to him. And he's just first time mm. he just pings it into the far right, um, the far right corner. And it's just a it's just a brilliant goal. And those are the kind of Eden Hazard goals. The the Tottenham one, you know, against um the, the battle at the bridge, mm. you know, when he lays it off to think to Diego Costa and he just, just takes it first time and it just flies into the corner. Those are magical moments and you need those kind of players that don't need to think about well where am I going to put the ball he's already scored the goal before he's received the ball back and that's very similar I agree with you it'd be dangerous to see Zola and Hazard it's a shame we never got yeah. to see them play 11 yeah. aside together 
Now, even I think I was watching some of the highlights of the Belgium Wales game the other day. Yeah, I think he he nutmegged the player and sent it to De Bruyne, who then played it to Batshuayi. But um, it's just a little trickery like that that you just want to see on a five side Rabona flex, nutmegging, kind of um, taking players on, um, one touch football as well. So I think Zola and Hazard would be perfect for that. Just that goal he listed against West Brom, the Zola one against Norwich. I think that's what I want to see yeah. on a five side pitch. So um, I don't know if I've cheated there with three players from column four, but no, not really. There's no rules to say that you can't yeah. pick. I think I think RD definitely cheated because he had six players. <laughs> but I think yeah, you can pick. You know, you could pick all. You know from column five if you if you could make it work but yeah i mean if it's if it's under the 20 pounds it's yeah it's, i think it's pounds. 20 it's 20 pounds exactly, exactly. yeah okay. so i've gone so my four team is check cavalio lampard hazard zola that's a that's a really good team that's mm. a really good team i still think i'd win for this reason okay i still think i'd win um because i've gone for didier dropper <laughs> as my uh for Didier Dropper is my, my my main striker. I just think from what I've tried to do, I've tried to balance it out. I've tried to get for the, the, the quickness at the back with Ashley Cole defensively as well. I've got Claude Makalele sitting in that midfield role. Um, I've got obviously checking goal, but I've got Zola who will do the trickery for Dropper. And Dropper literally just, just has to sit and wait on the edge of that box. Just sit and wait, wait for Zola to do his magic and get the ball to Dropper and choose a corner. And I always say in five aside, just pick a corner. Don't ever go down the middle. Just pick one of your corners um, and keep it low. And you should score because the goalkeeper has to get, he has to be quick and reaction to get that down, you know, to get down as before the ball's in the back of the net. And it's half a second, you know, if you've got enough power in the shot. So I think, um, I think that's why I went for drop bar, uh, you know, it, goes without saying i mean he, he knows who the back of the net is mm-hmm. you could you could actually pick all those strikers bar romelu lukaku <laughs> um but you could definitely pick jake diego costa i mean jimmy floyd was was i think he was top goal scorer on season four. you know he's a, he's a he's a goal scorer he knows where the back of the net is and uh fernando torres again another one i, I mean I, I i thought about this realistically would he last 45 minutes in a five aside with his injuries probably not so you know i looked at diego dropper um, Diego Dropper, DDA Dropper, trying to mix two plays together. Um, and I just thought, yeah, he's going to be in my squad. He has to be in my squad. So um, I think I'm under budget as well. I think if I've done that correct, I think I'm a couple under, I think I'm two pounds under budget. So yeah, I've got for got, check uh, for five pounds. I think you're a pound under because you've got five of the five, uh, three of the five pound players. Cold, which makes yeah. it 16, and then Zola, and then which makes it three. 19. So, okay. Okay. I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. I'm a pound on the Very good squad. A very good squad for £19, yeah. I mean, we can't knock either squad. Um, if RD's still there, I want you to take out one of these players before we, we wrap up shortly. I think it's a brilliant squad, but I think you need to take out one of them. So if it was you, Fear, who would you take out that squad if you if you had to? I think he's got too many two defenders. I think on five aside you can do with one defender and have those kind of wing back options potentially. Mm-hmm. So I'd probably take out either Cavalio Cole on his side, and then you've got that kind of spine of Drogba Lampard Hazard, which will get you goals, which will get you trickery, a bit of magic. So I think he'll be set with that team. Yeah, I, I mean I'm sticking with Cole, so I think I'll take out Carvalho, but it's um yeah, it's a it's a really good. I mean, Kepa's a good one because he can, mm. he can play with his feet. So you almost you could almost use Kepa as your 
you know, a seconder almost to an extent. Um, and I think if you've got Ashley Cole there, if Kepper is, you know, short or left open at the back, Cole's got the speed to get back. You know, Hazard as well could probably chip in and do that. You know, it's five aside. It's not going to take him, you know, no more than two seconds to get from one goal to the other. So it's a, it's a good squad. But if RD is there, then let us know who you're taking out that squad. Um, yeah, it's, it's impressive squads. I, I'm impressed with them. If there was, if you could have, let's just say they throw you a wild card, you can pick one more player. Who would you go for? Who would be your sub to, to come on? Let's flip the question around. I'd probably, it's going to sound crazy, but I'm going to go with Ramirez. Just someone who's just got yeah. loads of energy that can just come on. We saw what he, what he could do. He'd have, he could play the 90 minutes and would just work his socks off. He was like an engine in the field. Not particularly the biggest guy, but just an absolute tank in midfield. So I'd, I'd definitely go for one of those five midfielders in column three. Um, but I think it'd be probably a Ramirez, just someone who can come and do all the dirty work and also just give it as 100% for the last maybe 10, 15 minutes of the five-a-side game. And we'll make sure that we get the get the, get the the win as well. Mm, it's a good shout. It's a massive shout. I think I think I was going to go with a sub, a wild, got to go for Joe Cole. Mm. Only because, again, I'm, I'm I'm just thinking of trickery. I'm thinking of those kind of street footballers. Look at Phil Foden now. He's definitely, you know, grew up playing football on the streets. Um, and Joe Cole, you can tell, played street football, uh, cage football. I think they call it in London, you know, like sort of that sort of cage football where, you, you know, you, you, you play almost a five-a-side game every day after school. You can tell Joe Cole grew up like that because of the way he plays football and the skills that he's got. Um, and again, like I said, with Zola and Hazard as well, you just need someone that can get out of a small space. I mean, how many times you see in five aside, you know, you're, you're surrounded by two players and you're in a corner. And that moment, sometimes you'll just see that little nutmeg or you'll see someone, you know, loop the ball around one of the players and get away and score a goal. So Joe Cole for me is arguably, again, a very underrated player. Um, I feel like he changed when he got to Chelsea. I think I'm thinking more of the West Ham. Joe Cole, who was unbelievable to watch. He was he was just unbelievable. And I feel like maybe Jose Mourinho, when he came in, there's certain things that Jose wanted Joe Cole to do, changed him as a player. And sometimes I don't think you need to do that with certain players. I think Joe Cole could play football and you should have just let Joe Cole play football. Um, and obviously when he went to Liverpool, it was even worse. He was, he was under the, the, uh, the... Did he play for Aston Villa as well? I think he went to Villa after Liverpool. He went to he went back to where Villa and West went back to West Ham I think did, didn't he yeah yeah that season on loan at, at Lille where he played he alongside did. Hazard actually yeah he did he did I mean that, that would have been scary to see the two of them together but he's one of those players for me that's just got the trickery and I think in five aside you need someone that can can pull off a few uh, a few skills FIFA was it I think it's called FIFA Street that football football mm. game. So you need someone who can do stuff like that. So, um, but two good teams. I think we both chose well. I think we, uh, none of us chose Lukaku. None of us chose Mendy. So we've done, we've done well. I mean, the two players that I shouldn't even be, I mean, I don't know how Mendy's four pounds. This must be before the blunders and Lukaku should not even be among, I'd rather see, uh, I don't know, Pato. Did we even, yeah, Pato. Did we have Pato? Yeah, yeah we'd have had a Pato. Uh, hey, Bula Ruse, uh, yeah. who wasn't Higuain. even a number nine. Higuain, um, Shevchenko. 
there's loads of plays we could put on there. You know, anyone who I think Stephen Sidwell had the number nine shirt at one point, so we could even throw Stephen Sidwell in there. No, all, all jokes aside, I think Giroud should deserve his place in that three pound mark ahead of yeah. ahead of Lukaku for what he's yeah, kind yeah. of contributed to the club. So I think this was yeah. must have been created maybe last summer or it was. Maybe yeah, it was. It's when, we, it's when we yeah. it's when we signed him when we thought he Most was going to do yeah. the the ninety seven point five million worth Lukaku that turned out to be nine pounds seventy yeah. worth of Lukaku, but. It is what it is. We move on. We've got Patrick Aubameyang now. Hopefully, he's going to get 20 goals for us this season. But I did say at the start of this, I think when we came on, this is not going to be a podcast episode, but it's nearly 45 minutes. This is a podcast episode. This is episode 69 of the podcast. This is called Five Aside. This is going to be hopefully one of the best podcast episodes we've done because I want everyone to interact in the comments and let us know your squads like RD did without cheating. Um, so Five Aside, you've got £20. You have to pick from any of the columns so it doesn't have to be all from the same one and let us know your thoughts in the comments as well if you're watching this on youtube um what squad you would go with and who would you change out of our squads as well don't forget to subscribe to the channel and click the link tree link in the description it will take you to all the social accounts as well and all our spotify episodes theo as always thanks very much for joining me uh good to have you back it's been a while um so yeah we'll be we'll be trying to get the uh the, continue, the, the continued podcast after this coming out straight after every week as well. So stick with us. And yeah, episode 69 of From the Shed End podcast. Thanks for listening.